Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Well, it appears, it appears, my dear friends, that China and Russia are intent on forming a new world order. A different world order than that commonly referred to as the new world order, whatever that new world order is. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at that. And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Here is a series of headlines. Kremlin says its strategic aim is to create a new world order. Russia and China want to disrupt the world order. Russia says it's building a new democratic world order with China. Egypt is pushing for a new economic world order with Russia. The Chinese president urges military to prepare for war with the declining West. Putin makes Africa a sovereignty pledge, and President Xi leaves Russia with no peace in sight for Ukraine. All of these are directly connected, my friends, with the concept of the Russian-Chinese New World Order. Now, that may seem strange because, generally speaking, the concept of a New World Order is connected with a Western One World Order. That's the one that Joe Biden has been uh, working on. That's the one that they have posed uh, Mr. Trump on because he said he was going to make America great again. And they said, not on your life. We're not going to allow you to make America great again because we are intent on a new global world order. So there we are, friends. The world is changing dramatically. And we're looking at a situation here where it's uh, very difficult to quite figure out uh, the dynamics of what is really, really taking place. So. I trust that you'll stay tuned, and uh, we're going to be talking about this and see what really, really is going on here. So, again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and uh, today is no exception. You may recall a number of years ago that I wrote a book called King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end-time battle, where it is written, He who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. Well, there are a number of chapters in that book that directly lay the foundation for what we're talking about today, surprisingly. For instance, chapter 18 is called The Bear versus the Pope. Another is called The Dragon versus the Eagle, referring to China versus the United States. In addition to that, we have the Mahdi versus the Messiah. We have Gog and Magog 
we have all of these different chapters in this book that are actually laying the foundation for this very struggle that we're talking about here today on Viewpoint. People have not normally thought of the anything other than the Western world order as being a new world order. When you talk about that so-called new world order that people customarily think about, you're talking about the Western world. You're talking about the resurrection of the ancient Roman Empire that never really fully died. The ancient Roman Empire never really fully died. In fact, it was disseminated throughout the face of the earth uh, in two forms. One was the geopolitical form known as the West. So we have Europe, we have the United States, we have uh, the Americas. Uh, All of them are part of the resurrected Roman Empire, including New Zealand and Australia. These are all part of the Western world and have been deemed the focus of the New World Order. In other words, there have been efforts to unite the world. It began with the EU back in the 1950s in the European Common Market, and then it spread into the European Union, which uh, uh, gained its own currency, the euro, and uh, was revealed that its founders actually secretly intended for it to become a super state. And so the Pope himself uh, put his great blessing upon the two founders of the European Union, and uh, because he himself sees his role as part of this new world order, the new Western world order. Then again, we have uh, others who see themselves, other groups of nations that see themselves as having the goal of establishing their own world order. For instance, the Islamic world order. Even as we speak today, an article came across my desk concerning the uh, resurrection of a fundamental Islamism taking over the world to purify Islam to prepare for the Islamic one world order. That's the vision of Iran. That's the vision of Mr. the former president of Iran, Mr. Ahmadinejad. You may recall that also is the vision of Mr. Erdogan, who has tried to uh, resurrect Turkey uh, in the form of the ancient Ottoman Empire that once ruled the then known world, including Jerusalem, for about 400 years. So. All of these powers are seeking to become the power that will once again rule the world. Persia once ruled the world, now known as Iran. The Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire, uh, once ruled the then known world. But then we have the Roman and Greek empires, and they have been merged into what we call the Western World Order, And that Western world order is becoming persona non grata to the likes of other nation groups in the world. One of those is Russia and China. And so as we look at this issue here today concerning Russia and China, 
it is going to be a uh, perhaps a very solemn thing for us to see how far this is really going and the attack by Russia on Ukraine is part of it. It is not an isolated instance. It's not just about Russia and Ukraine. It's about a much, much bigger picture. And when we look at the biblical picture concerning the great powers that will rule the world in the end of the age, you go to the book of Revelation and you find out that the Euphrates River, for instance, will dry up so that the kings of the east may make their way toward Israel for the great final battle in the Valley of Jezreel, uh, there uh, at Armageddon or Har-Megiddo. So all of these things are taking place as we speak, and they're moving very quickly, at least quickly in the form of how history customarily moved, which is very slowly. But this is moving very quickly. So I want you to stay tuned, friends, because what you're about to hear is a little different than what you normally are hearing out there in the news media because they don't want to talk about these things because they have biblical and end-time implications. And that just doesn't seem to be where the mind and heart of the news media or our politicians or anyone else is, for that matter, these days. Now, before we go further, let me make available to you my book, King of the Mountain. Uh, It is... uh, a very, a very time, important could book. pray and read their Bibles just to give you an idea of how important the unknown is was child abuse. Uh, when our once out, I was interviewed by a Jewish abomination. So what he wanted me to come on for an hour to discuss it. I wrote about it halfway through the program that day. He said, there's just no way that we're going to be able to even barely touch this subject the fourth commandment. Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at stayhawks.org. We'll be right back. Apparently, there's something wrong with our system here, and we're going to continue on uh, as if it's operating fully and completely. Not sure what's happened, but uh, these things happen with live broadcasting. So, it's great to, uh, to be with you here on Viewpoint today, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. You say, well, what does this have to do with God's eternal perspective? What does Russia and China have to do with God's eternal perspective? Well, it has everything to do with it. Just read the book of Revelation. Just read the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39. Gog, the chief prince of uh, Meshach and Tubal, aligning itself with Persia, which is now Iran, and with uh, other nations, Libya and uh, Turkey and uh, Tagarma and so on, and uh, Gomer and many other nations with them in order to attack Israel at a very specific time called the latter days when Israel is in relative peace in order to take a spoil. Now, we can argue about who those nations are, but generally speaking, Gog and Magog is generally referred to as Rosh, meaning Russia. So, Russia by the way, is part of the E uh, of the of Europe. Technically, Russia is part of Europe. That may see kind of come as a surprise, but it really is. 
In fact, it's the largest country in Europe. It is the largest land-based country in the world. Not the largest in population, but the largest land base in the world covering, I think, it's six time zones. <clears throat> it's absolutely massive. And, and theoretically, uh, geopolitically, it is, or at least geologically, uh, it is uh, part of Europe. But in terms of politically, no. And that's because of the Bolshevik Revolution that took place in 1917 and uh, uh, the Sovietization of Russia that isolated Russia uh, from much of the rest of Europe, certainly Western Europe, and Russia glommed on then to Eastern Europe. And since the fall of the Soviet Union in 1990-91, those nations, the, the eastern portion of Europe became free, shall we say, from Russian Soviet domination. So those nations now have become part, generally speaking, of the European Union. And now, with Finland being added to NATO, and with Sweden possibly being added to NATO, we are seeing a completion of uh, an amalgamation, a completion of the greater sphere, geological sphere of the ancient Roman Empire. That was the Roman Empire that was in power when Jesus, Yeshua, came on the scene, born in Bethlehem. Remember, they had to go to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And uh, Jesus is the one who said, render unto Caesar the things that be Caesar, and unto God the things that be God's. So Rome was in power when Jesus came on the scene, and it's going to be in power again when he returns. That's the vision that we get for the book of Daniel. And uh, with that in mind, those greater parameters in mind, again, I go to the book, King of the Mountain, and ask you to seriously consider getting a copy of it to help orient your mind toward what is actually happening. I was telling you about this Jewish uh, talk show host that interviewed me concerning the book. And uh, after the first hour, he said, Chuck, we've barely scratched the surface. Can we, can, would you come back for another hour? So that went on, that pattern went on for seven weeks. So he actually interviewed me for seven hours concerning this book. He said, I've never read anything like it. This is actually grabbing my attention, and uh, I think it will grab yours as well. It is a $20 book, and it's yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You may think, well, that was written a few years ago. Yes, but when you read it, you're going to think, how could this have been written then when what's written there is happening today? It's happening right now. That's exactly what is happening. That's one of the things that captured that Jewish talk show host's uh, understanding as he was interviewing me concerning the book. So. It's not about promoting a book. It's about promoting the message of that book. Because the framework of the title, King of the Mountain, helps us to better understand and conceive what the Bible describes as the history of humankind in our rebellion against God 
and where it all ends up and why and how it materializes here in the end of the age. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check, add $5 for postage and handling, and we'll get it in your hands. All right. So let us go to some of these articles. I've already given you the headlines of some of them, but this one caught my attention because it just came out today. The Russian president has addressed Africa's leaders on the eve of a major summit in St. Petersburg, Russia. The African continent is becoming one of the pillars of a new multipolar world, and Russia will do everything in its power to help it prosper. President Vladimir Putin said on Wednesday, Putin signaled that Moscow sees great value in cooperation with African nations. Our cooperation with Africa, he said, has reached a new level in recent years, adding that Moscow intends to further develop trade and investment as well as help fight poverty, train personnel, and ensure food security. And, of course, he said, we will continue to assist our African partners in every way possible to strengthen national and cultural sovereignty and to participate more actively in resolving regional and global issues. The Russian president added that Africa is now more and more confidently asserting itself as one of the poles of the emerging multipolar world. That's what Russia calls their new world order. And we need to understand what he's saying. He means what he says, he's saying what he means, and they call it their new world order. According to Russian officials, the summit will be attended by 49 African delegations, with 17 governments being represented by heads of state. However, yesterday... The Kremlin press secretary, Peshkov, claimed that Western countries, particularly the U.S. and France, were putting unprecedented pressure on African countries to prevent them from attending the summit. Western countries are, he said, in fact, standing in the way of the sovereign right of African states to independently choose partners, both for expanding cooperation in various fields and for discussing hot issues. Well, what they're actually saying is Russia wants to have that authority. Russia wants to gain power, further power, away from Russia and throughout the world. And we're not happy that that power currently resides with the United States. Therefore, the United States represents a uh, what they're calling a hegemonic world in which the U.S. and its allies all are part of and support underwritten by the U.S. dollar. And we need to destroy all of that and create our own new world order. So that's exactly what China is looking for. That's exactly what Egypt is looking for, believe it or not. Here's the article. 
Egypt pushing for new economic world order with Russia, just came out today. African nations should liberate themselves from Western dominance, said a professor at Cairo University. Russia and Africa have enjoyed a partnership since Soviet times and should now push for a new economic world order to challenge U.S.-led Western hegemony, uh, said Norhan El-Sheikh, a professor of international relations at Cairo University, yesterday. The dominance of the dollar in the global financial system, which was put in place by the U.S. after World War II to rule over the world economy, is unprecedented, she argued. El-Sheikh said that a shift away from the dollar and euro will encourage uh, our cooperation and urge for more Africa-Russia trade in national currencies. So the effort is to shift away not only from U.S. dominance heading up a Western world order, as they conceive it, but also shifting away from the dollar, which has been the uh, accepted unit of exchange uh, throughout the world. They're saying, no, we don't want this anymore. We're going to do it our way. You know, it's kind of like uh, the, the ads, I'll do it my way. Remember that? I'll do it my way. Well, that's what they're trying to do. I'll do it my way, and your way is out, our way is in, and we're going to build our own new world order. Russia says, next article, Russia says it's building a new democratic world order with China. Beijing and Moscow advanced a vision of a new world order as Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov made his first visit uh, to Kyiv with uh, key ally China since his country launched its invasion of Ukraine. Beijing then refused to condemn the invasion and has provided a level of diplomatic cover for an increasingly isolated Russia. But you see, Russia doesn't want to be isolated. Russia has its own vision. Remember, Russia was once a great, powerful Nation, believe it or not, it was. Great, powerful nation. And uh, Vladimir Putin has the vision of restoring that great, powerful nation. And he believes, he knows he cannot do it by himself. He also knows that in and of itself, China cannot do what they want by themselves. So they're uniting together. Just like two boys or three boys that are playing a game of uh, King of the Hill or King of the Mountain, and uh, one guy gets on top of the little snow mound or rock hill or whatever it is and tries to pull the other one down, he declares himself King of the Hill or King of the Mountain, and the other try to pull him down one at a time, but they realize they can't do it individually, so they team together to pull him down, but their vision is they themselves will become king of the mountain. That, my friends, is the easiest way to understand the dynamics of what are taking place, what has been taking place in world history from the very beginning, and what is going to take place on steroids as we move forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is all part of the great panoply of God's plan and purposes, and we're seeing it happen right in front of our eyes. The problem is nobody's talking about it from a biblical worldview or a a God view. They have their worldview, but they don't have a God view, and that's the problem. 
We can have all the worldview we want, but if we don't have a God view, a correct God view of the world, then we've got a problem. And so here on this program, we try not to get caught up with the general worldview discussions, but actually uh, try to bring our focus to what God has said and how to orient our thinking toward the issues of our time based on that and not based on whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or a liberal or whatever you think, or an independent, whatever you think you are. So, Sergei Lavrov, their second-in-command Russian foreign minister, painted a picture of a new world order saying that the world was living through a very serious stage in the history of international relations. He said, we are moving toward a multipolar just democratic world order. So the question in your mind and in mine would be, how can Russia and China talk about moving toward a democratic world order when neither one of them operate democratically? It doesn't seem to make sense, does it? It's an oxymoron. Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin, there from uh, China, said that Moscow and Beijing would continue efforts there is in so advancing much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America and Ministries of on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're dealing today with the matter of China and Russia announcing a new world democratic order now for those of you who are listening for the first time or are a little concerned with uh, seeming discontinuance or a little bit uh, problem here uh, with the program today uh, i cannot explain some of the technology issues that uh, have interfered here uh, keeping us from being exactly right on sync uh, with the background music and all of that So we're attempting to work through that and still get the message out, and I hope that you will uh, look upon us with favor as we continue to do that and listen very carefully. All right. We're talking again about Russia and China and building their new, what they call, a democratic world order. It sounds very strange, doesn't it? But that's exactly what the Russian Foreign Minister, Sergei Lavrov, has announced. In fact, they believed in that. That was part of why Russia attacked Ukraine. 
believe it or not, part of why Russia attacked Ukraine, because Russia did not want Ukraine to be assimilated into the Western One World Order through NATO. said, no, that's too close to our border. We're not going to let it happen. He had warned the United States about that for uh, many years, but we didn't listen. So, Lavrov painted a picture of a new world order saying that the world was living through a very serious stage in the history of international relations. He said, we are moving towards a multipolar, just, democratic world order. The foreign minister spokesman Wang Wenbin in China said that Moscow and Beijing would continue efforts in advancing global multipolarity and the democratization of international relations. He said that China and Russia cooperation has no limits. Now, this sounds like they have entered into a pact for, shall we say, taking over as much of the world as they can, and that's why uh, Russia is uh, luring Africa. Now, when you look at biblical prophecy, you do not find the nations of Africa being included specifically, except for perhaps Sudan or Ethiopia and Libya. Aside from that, you do not, or Egypt, you do not find the nations of Africa being specifically mentioned, particularly in end time prophecy. Why? Well, I don't know for sure. Maybe it's because they just didn't have any power struggle, uh, power ability. I don't know. But when you read Ezekiel 38 and 39, you find that not only is it those nations that are specifically mentioned there that are going to come under the umbrella of Russia in a secret attack against uh, Israel, but there are going to be many other nations with them. And those nations are not mentioned except for Libya and Sudan or Kush. And so this is a very big development. It's a very big development. So they go on to say that without naming any adversaries explicitly, the message was clear. The world is changing, and China and Russia won't be held back. Democracy, they declared, listen to this, democracy, they declared, is not built on stencils. In other words, as you decide decide to define it. Depending on the sociopolitical structure, history, traditions, and cultural characteristics of a particular state, its people have the right to choose such forms and methods of implementing democracy that correspond to the specifics of this state. The right to judge whether a state is democratic belongs only to its people. In other words, so there is no definition of democracy. It's whatever we want to call it. So if we want to call our utopian vision a democracy, that's fine. If we want to call a dictatorship a democracy, we can do that. We'll just redefine it. Sort of like the CDC redefined vaccine. When the jab was not a vaccine, 
They just chose to call it a vaccine. And then when it was brought before their face that those jabs were not vaccines at all because they didn't accomplish either of the two things that characterize a vaccine, then they just redefined the vaccine, redefined the word. You see, we play these word games, not just in Russia with China. We play these word games in our country, big time. And it's dangerous. So they go on to say, the message at face value may be easy for the democratic West to dismiss. Russian and Chinese people do not have the right to choose such forms and methods of implementing democracy as they wish, as neither country has free and fair elections and speaking out against the existing forms and methods of governance often ends in imprisonment for those who try it, just like the announcement came today of a uh, cyber expert there in Russia, renowned, who happened to speak out and he's just been convicted of treason and sent to 14 years. Doesn't sound much like democracy. But then again, a lot of what's happening in our country doesn't sound like democracy either. The silencing of people, the imprisoning of people, just because they happen to show up at the uh, White House on January 6th. We're not talking about just people that marauded through the White House. We're talking about people that just were there in the greater gathering. Arrested, charged with crimes. Is that democracy? Maybe we're all playing word games these days. Maybe there really isn't freedom anywhere. I don't know. But you see, it's hard for the uh, cattle to call the pot black, isn't it? So Russia and China want to disrupt the world order, says Politico. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said that the Biden administration would be closely watching this week's Russia-China summit. Russia and China are attempting to shake up the international order, he said. China and Russia are two countries that are chafing under this international rules-based order that the United States and so many of our allies and partners have built up since the end of World War II, he said. He said they'd like to rewrite the rules of the game globally. So when these people are all talking about their own new world order, What they're really talking about is rewriting the rules to correspond to their own particular viewpoint. And so viewpoint does determine destiny, just as we say every day, almost every day here on the program. There are no neutral viewpoints. Viewpoint always determines destiny. As the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, as a country and its leaders think in their hearts, so is that country. Viewpoint always determines destiny. No neutral viewpoints. That, For that reason, then, if our viewpoints don't correspond with God's viewpoint, no matter what you think, you're in trouble. Whether you're a conservative or a liberal or an independent or whatever you think you are, it doesn't matter. If your viewpoint doesn't line up with God's viewpoint, you're in trouble. Because you actually pretending to be God or a surrogate God. 
that your viewpoint is co-equal with his. So the nations of the earth have a serious problem. They're all elevating their viewpoints, which are radically inconsistent with the biblical viewpoint, with God's viewpoint. But they're doing it anyway. America's doing the same thing. We may have been born on the pages of Scripture, so to speak, under the authority of God and his word, but we haven't persisted in that. And so we have become something very different. Our viewpoints as a country does not line up anymore with a truly Christian or biblical viewpoint. From the church house even to the White House, and certainly the schoolhouse and the courthouse and so on. That's why we're in the trouble we're in. There's no real unity. Remember, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, sanctify, set them apart, my disciples, my followers, set them apart according to thy word, thy word is truth. He was praying to the Father. It's his high priestly prayer. Pastors like to quote it. Parachurch leaders like to quote it, talking about, uh, uh, Father, that they may be one, that the world may know that you have sent me. But what they don't like to quote is what is foundational to that unity, and that is believing the same thing, being united in viewpoint concerning what God has said. When we're not united in viewpoint concerning what God has said, sanctified or set apart according to his word, we're going to have chaos. We're going to have division. And that's why 6,000 United Methodist congregations are just split from the denomination. 6,000. You heard that correctly. And these kinds of divisions are taking place everywhere. We're not in unity in the Western world. Nowhere. The only thing that the Western world is in unity for now is globalism. Becoming a new world Western order. That's why the politicians in both the Democrat Party and many of the Republican Party have fought tooth and nail to keep Donald Trump out of the government. They despise him because he said, we're going to make America great again. He said, that's my calling. If I'm the president of the United States, that's what I should be doing. I shouldn't be out here trying to create a global order. But that's what the rest of the world is doing. God said they were going to do it. It's not God's will for them to do it, but that God said that's what they are going to do. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. 
the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again today, we're looking at the interesting development of the past several years with China and Russia becoming buddies. In fact, so much so that uh, Putin and Xi Jinping refer to each other as dear friends. Dear friends. NBC News contains this headline, Xi leaves Russia with no peace in sight for Ukraine, but Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin have set their sights on shaping a new world under order as the Chinese leader left Moscow. As Xi uh, departed, he told Putin, now there are changes that haven't happened in 100 years. When we're together, we drive these changes. So, Mr. Xi Jinping is saying that he and Vladimir Putin, both of whom are quasi-dictators, claiming to be some kind of strange democracy, are joining together, fraternizing together, because neither one of them can resist the Western world order by itself. So they feel that they must join together. Just like two boys trying to pull uh, their friend off of the top of a hill in order for them to become king of the mountain or king of the hill. That's where the title of the book, King of the Mountain, came from, by the way. And on the back cover, you'll see a shadowed picture of a couple of my grandparents on top of a big rock. Each trying to pull themselves down or up, as the case may be. Probably 95% of males, men, in the world have played this game. And if they had sisters, their sisters may have played it too. It's a, it's a universally understood game. But when it's played geopolitically by the nations of the world, you've got a big situation. A serious situation. And so, that's what's happening. Uh, former Trump security, national security advisor H.R. McMaster was noting that Xi's friendship with Putin seems to be getting stronger despite all the issues surrounding the Russia-Ukrainian war. He said, it's really about 10 years ago, almost to the day that Xi Jinping made his first visit to Moscow and they declared their special friendship. Since then, they've just continued to double down on that relationship. So, the Guardian out of the UK also plays in on this. Kremlin says its strategic aim is to create a new world order. Moscow wants any Ukrainian peace talks to focus on creating a new world order said the French press agency, uh, Agency France Presse, quotes Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is saying it should be about the principles on which the new world order will be based. 
Russia rejects a unipolar world order led by one hegemon, meaning the U.S. Russia has long said it was leading a strategic a struggle against U.S. dominance over the international stage and argues the Ukraine offensive is a big part of that fight. You see, the Ukraine issue is a much bigger issue than people want to acknowledge. Much bigger issue. It's about Russia's vision for a new Russian world order, or, if necessary, a Russian-Chinese world order, so that they can resist the Western one world order that is coming into four, as declared by Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, with his Great Reset, as declared in many respects by the United Nations through their Agenda 2030. You see, everything is focused on 2030. AD 2030. How far from now is AD 2030? Think about it. We're in AD 2023. So you could say, well, it's seven years. You could say, well, it's six and a half years because we're halfway through 2023. Or you could say it would be seven and a half years or so, depending on when in 2030 these things were to take place. But round figures, we're looking at six to seven years. Six and a half to seven and a half years. Does that sound like right around the corner to you? In terms of history, in terms of what's going on in our world, and historically what has gone on in our world, that's almost like as quick as snapping your fingers. That time will be here before you know it. And if indeed it has any significance to the fulfillment of biblical prophecy, friends, it's a signal to you and me that the bigger issue here is not Russia or China or a new world order, the bigger issue is whether you are prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the real issue. And that's the one nobody will talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yet that's the thing that Jesus talked about. That's the what the apostles talked about. The Apostle John said, whoever has that hope, the hope of the second coming of Christ in him, will purify himself even as Christ is pure. So, is that what's happening in your life? And if it's not, remember what the Apostle Paul said about the bride of Christ. He said, Christ is not coming back for a bride with spot wrinkle, or any such thing. You can read it right there in Ephesians chapter 5. That Jesus is not coming back, Yeshua is not coming back, the Savior of the world, the bridegroom is not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. So that should bring a whole series of rhetorical questions to our minds and hearts if we're professing Christians, or if we're not a professing Christian. 
You've got to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, otherwise you're condemned already. Jesus said so in John chapter 3. We don't like to preach that, but that's exactly what he said. The pagans are condemned already. But he's talking, the primary message of the Bible is not to the pagans to evangelize the pagans. The primary message of the Bible is to prepare a body, pure and holy, walking in holiness before the Lord. So that, that body is prepared as a just virgin before Christ. I just don't quite understand why pastors don't seem to get it. Dancing around the subject, all kinds of nice things to say, encouraging things to say, but not getting down to the basics, not getting down to the most important things. Shouldn't we not keep the most important thing the most important thing? The most important thing is not evangelism, my friends. It's discipleship. It's teaching people to obey everything that God has commanded. That's the essence of the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. We don't like that part because it takes so much work. Because it requires, we can't measure it, we can't market it, we can't sell it, and we can't raise money on it. But it's the only thing that pleases God. Whatever so-called evangelism we do is not for the purpose of getting somebody to make a bland confession of Christ. It's for the purpose of helping them then to follow the ways of the Lord and to do his will like Jesus did. Remember, Jesus said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to inherit the kingdom of God. So who did he say was going to enter the kingdom of God? Those who do the Father's will. But what does that mean? It means to obey God. It means to agree with his viewpoint on all of the issues of life and our time. That's why here on this program, we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. The deeper issues are those that affect how or whether you and I please God. Whether we're ready for his coming. And don't say, well, I went to that Billy Graham rally 20 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever it was, and I made a confession of faith that I'm in like Flint. Really? Then whatever happened to the rest of the Apostle Paul's words, whatever happened to the words that say that Christ is not coming back for you if you're not a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing? How about Jesus' words... He's not coming back for you if you're not walking in obedience to his word, will, and ways. You say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, that's true. But Jesus still said that. Paul still said that. John still said, whoever has this hope in him will purify himself even as Christ is pure. How do you do that? You confess your sin. You come clean with God. You see, that's the problem with Mr. Biden's son. And with their Biden himself, he doesn't want to come clean. Doesn't want to come clean with the courts. Doesn't want to clean, come clean with the American people. Doesn't want to come clean, clean with God. And they're playing a game. They think they can hide. 
But when Christ comes back, there's no hiding place. There's no other appeal. There's no Department of Justice that does not do justice like we have today. Because Jesus is the Department of Justice. He is the just one. He is the only just one. And that's why the Father has given him responsibility and authority to judge the earth in righteousness. Not to judge the earth on the curve. When Christ comes back, he's not going to judge the world on the curve. He's not going to judge. There's only going to be a small remnant of people, friends. The Bible makes it very clear. Over and over again. Jesus put it another way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, look, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. That's where everybody's going. That's where most Christians are going today. The broad way. They're following the ways of the culture, the authority of the culture, the ways and means of the culture. And that's why the word obey has become the most hated word in the church today. You see how these things tie together? So when we talk about the issues of our time, as we did today with China and Russia and and so on, the reason we do that is not just so that you will have information about that. It's so that you will understand the timing of God's plan and purposes. And so you and I will be prompted to see what we need to do to be ready. That's why Jesus gave his parables. Do you know that half of Jesus' parables were talking about the end times? He wanted people to be ready, not to act cavalierly, not to take things for granted. The Apostle Peter put it in a different way. He said, seeing that all these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be? That's the question. As Francis Schaeffer once asked back in the 1970s with his books, how should we then live? How should we then live? Look. God knows that we're sinners. He knows that. That's why he provided a Savior. We can't play pretend with him. And what he says is, look, 